I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. Did I tell you what I'm doing for Valentine's Day tomorrow? It's really cute. Assuming I get it let out of the Hooskow. At Metrograph, they're showing uh, a couple of romantic films. The first one is Baz Luhrmann, your fellow Australian, Baz Luhrmann's Romeo and Juliet, which was like our era, you know, film. Mm-hmm. And then I'm taking her to dinner at the commissary, but it's a surprise, so I'm going to have her meet me there. Nice. She shows me she loves me by calling it a Paxlovid prescription the second I show signs of having COVID and gets me medicine delivered, you know? Her love language is competence. All right, let's get going. Let's get going, Renee. It's the day after the Super Bowl. It's Collective America's Hangover. Um, I know we have so much tennis to talk about. I'm particularly excited about talking Yibing Wu, China's first ATP champion ever, which is cool. I'm excited about talking European indoors, Middle Eastern. We have a lot of tennis. Tennis is here. It's everywhere. And... There's lots of stuff. But first, do you want to just briefly touch on the Super Bowl? Oh, sure. Um, Did you watch it from start to finish, Caitlin? I'll be honest. About a couple minutes after Rihanna, I was so hype about Rihanna and not hype about the football that for the third quarter, I watched an episode of Physical 100, the Korean show where everyone does feats of strength. And then I came back and watched the very end of the football game. Wow. You are an interesting human being. (laughs) It's the only thing that I can say. Um, let me start by saying that it was a fantastic game. The first time in, there was a couple of firsts, first time we've ever had two black quarterbacks in the Super Bowl facing each other, which was a monumental moment and an amazing moment because they both played so well too, which was just an amazing moment um, to witness. And an all-female flyover on the um, on the national anthem and the Chris Stapleton national anthem was, oh, Chef's kiss. It was so good. I'm not like a huge country fan, but he crushed it. He really crushed it. Well, I love Chris Stapleton anyway, and I love the fact that he didn't do it with his hat on, which was really interesting to me because the guy never gets seen without his hat when he's performing. So that was a really nice moment for me. And I just thought it was beautiful. I mean, it's got to be, that's got to be, I think, just behind Whitney Houston. No one will ever surpass Whitney Houston. But sure. Chris Stapleton was just masterfully done with the guitar and his incredible voice and the uh, the illicit, like you saw the Philadelphia coach Sirianni like crying on the side. And it was an amazing moment. 
Um, Rihanna My favorite tweet of the night was posting pictures of that guy crying, and somebody was like, "This is me making onion dip for the Rihanna Bowl," which I think sort of <laughs> summed up what a lot of my friend group was watching it for, which was yeah. Rihanna. It's not a question. I was watching for Rihanna as well. Um, I do like football, so I do. I did enjoy the game a lot. I thought the Philadelphia team came out playing unbelievable, and. May spare a thought for Jalen Hurts, who had literally a career night, an absolutely incredible moment for him. He ran in a couple, you know, I think three touchdowns himself. It was just, he Didn't played he so beat well. the rushing record for quarterbacks of all yeah, time? Yeah. He did, right? It was like, it was overwhelmingly a positive night for him. Sadly for him, one, one screw up when he lost the ball in his own 20 and they yeah. got the ball back, Kansas City, and ran it in. And that was when Philadelphia had full control. They were up by a touchdown. They were they had the ball back again. They made a great defensive stop and they looked like maybe they go down and go up by 14. You know, who knows what happens. But Momentum, to turn that ball sure. over was so monumentally tough for him. But God love him. He went over and he said to his whole offensive line, like, let's go, guys. That was on me. And he goes and plays an incredible couple of downs you know, in the next series and scores again, they go up a touch, you know, get back um, up a touchdown, they get to 10 points up. And then Mahomes comes out in the second uh, half and just played incredibly well. And, you know, the defense from Philly was a bit suspect in a couple of plays, which they, they're known for their incredible defense all year. So I don't know what happened there. That was a breakdown on their communication. And let me just say at the end, yes, I didn't have a dog in this fight. I didn't care who wins, uh, who won the game. But what the F with that bullshit call with like a minute and a half to go. It, they had not called a holding call, I believe, all night long. And then you decide to throw the flag on such an innocuous hold. I mean, it was a hold. Everybody said it was a hold. But there was like 150 holds in the second half alone that no one pulls up. because <laughs> Yeah. Making just, that call they was let like the game play. two minutes left and a massive, massive it reminds me of what you said about the Serena and Naomi Osaka match about, yes, everyone was coaching. Yes. Patrick Maradigal was coaching. Yes. Serena doesn't even really get coached, but to make that call at that time in that situation. Bullshit. It's like, come on, let them play. They stopped them. They go they'll kick a field goal. They'll go up by three. You've got a minute and a half to go. Let's go. Let's see if they can do it. Let's see if they can score a touchdown to win. Or kick a field goal to, to make it, you know, even maybe we go into overtime, even more great football to play. And you call that bullshit call? And that ended the game. That ended yeah. the game. Then they got the ball back and they just ran the clock down. And what a shitty ending to a great game. And I don't call anyone says, oh, it's a rule. He was hot. Give me a break. Go through the whole game and see how many times people were held and they didn't call it. So you can't call it then when you hadn't called it the whole match long uh game long anyway but kudos to kansas city they're an incredible fan base i know a lot of friends that are kansas city um fans and people from kansas city i also know a lot of people from philadelphia namely chris mckendry my captain <gasps> Sorry, <Chris>. of espn <laughs> and lisa raymond my old doubles partner they were all very sad um but what a great game and and a really well played game and and in good spirit from everyone for, and yeah. that is led by the coaching they're both such nice guys those coaches and that you can tell it just bleeds down through the whole team and the kelsey brothers what a great story crying at the end like the mom was like honey well done and then i love oh, sports honey, so much i love sports like, so was... much sports are so great and you're right both of those teams were really i didn't really have a dog in the fight either although sometimes i pick which team i like based on mascot which would have to be the eagles because kansas city you have to change your name a and that chant is awful or yeah. which has place has better food. And I'm here to report 
Kansas City has really, really, really good food. Better food than Philadelphia. Uh, oh, okay. All right. Well, I think it's I stand by. actually, when you speak about the mascot, there was a masterful catch by the Philadelphia Eagles on the sideline. The Eagle <laughs> caught a ball. It was like the one of the funniest parts of the game. And he was like, yes. And I want to give props to T-Mobile. I thought their commercial was the best with Bradley Cooper. Oh, it was Bradley mom. Cooper's mom. Sure. Just basically giving him shit. I thought that was brilliant. I mean, uh, Serena, my takeaway was more moms. Just more moms. Yeah, Serena more was moms. in two commercials. Oh my gosh, we should talk about Serena. I think, this is a theory. I think Serena saw Naomi Osaka's name at the top of the highest paid female endorsement list last couple of years and said, uh-uh, she keeps coming for the bag. She got paid. Michelob paid her. Hennessy paid her. Like she got her money's worth out of the Super Bowl. God bless her because get your bag. God bless her. And I said, wouldn't it, wasn't it, isn't it nice that she's fully embracing retirement by just pumping the alcohol? <laughs> <laughs> totally. Golf, I did, alcohol. I will, I will tell you that uh, a little insider, I did text her and I said, um, I said, you can coach me after that. That was yeah. so well done. Like she was like, tell, I didn't understand the, the commercial was a bit weird because she's like coaching and then, and then it just goes, have a Remy Martin. Like I was like, huh, what? Didn't uh, seem to fit the like, product at all. And the field was on no. fire at some point. Peter was like, hey, is that Serena Williams? And I was like, yes, it is. Good job. I mean, I always get excited when my son recognizes the tennis players. Uh, I mean, although Serena is like a pretty, a gimme because everybody knows who she is. And then he was like, what was that a commercial for? And you're like, coaching. Yeah. Coach. You know what she should have done? <laughs> she should have done what all coaches do, which is give the speech, you know, and they all go out and they go into the field. And then she goes back in the office and grabs a Remy Martin and just goes, Jesus. That's what would have been appropriate in that situation. But well, anyway, attention, whatever. Remy Martin. You have a new creative consultant by way of Renee Stubbs. If you're going to make a commercial about coaching, who better to ask than America's coach? Who better? And Billie Jean, she got a little show off in the, uh, in the, in the, uh, the uh, women's uh, touch football thing, you know, where she was trying to grab the flags and she was like in the car, in the car. Right. Park. With the so, uh, Mexican uh, superstar yeah. who was running away from yeah. everybody. Yeah. The, the commercials yeah. were really good. I mean, it was the Rihanna ball for me. I like that. She just what? like casually did some choreographer, but was like, listen, I have too many good songs. You guys can deal with the amount of emotion that I'm investing in this and it's enough. But maybe not too much. And I don't know about you, Caitlin, but if you check my Twitter feed, you will note that I did say that I hope she starts with, you bitch better bring my money. <laughs> bitch and better have my money. Did. Great, great opener. Yeah. I was yeah. extremely pleased. So the Rihanna Bowl did not disappoint, and she was doing it for pregnant women everywhere. What's not the like? Oh. Um, okay, so tennis. You watched a lot of it. We were just watching some this morning when we talked earlier. For those of you curious, mm -hmm. yes, Renee and I do check in via phone and FaceTime almost on a daily basis. It's therapy. Pulse. We just have therapy every day. By the way, before you say anything further, everybody out there, poor old Caitlin, after three years <laughs> of like being an asshole about never getting COVID has finally gotten COVID. Okay. Yeah. So she's at home. She's sitting in her quarantine. Uh, she finally got COVID and you sound good. You sound fine. She's got I'm a fine. mask. Not over her face now because she's doing this podcast, but she's had to live with her family having to wear a mask. Uh, so, Caitlin, I hope you're feeling better. Thank you. I got some uh, delivery. I'm fine. I'm totally fine. It's very mild. Uh, but I, my pride is wounded, which is that I can't feel superior well, no, you to thought everyone you were, else. I was like, yeah, you oh, you, you mortals. Totally. Um, a guy came to drop off some Vietnamese pho, which is my Vietnamese penicillin. Whenever I feel sick, I order that. The first night I mm -hmm. had a little bit of a sore throat and he got to the door and dropped off the bag and I was wearing a mask. And he looked at me like, oh, this loser, like who is still wearing a mask by themselves indoors. And I was like, no, you it's for you. 
but you should have said fine. to him, come back and give me that face and I'll cough in your face. <laughs> so uh, I did watch a lot of tennis this weekend, as did you. I have to say, for me, the biggest fun story was Yibing Wu, Wu Yibing, Chinese guy. I first saw him play at the US Open. I think it was not last summer, but two summers ago. He handled the field in Dallas at the Dallas Open, which looked to be a very fun tournament. I have not been to that tournament, but it looked like it was rollicking. And I liked how Blair was giving everyone giant cowboy hats when they won their matches, yeah. which is a nice touch. Um, did you see this guy play at all? Geary Nathan wrote a really great piece for us in the newsletter and on the site over the weekend. No Chinese player has ever won an ATP title. And now that is no longer true. No Chinese player before Yibing Wu had ever won an ATP title. He looked ferocious. He was moving well. He had all the answers for a big serving John Isner, but also he beat Taylor Fritz. What a great title run. Yeah, what an amazing story. I mean, to be the first Chinese player, male player to ever win a tournament on the ATP, especially after the success of all the, you know, Chinese women tennis players over the years with doubles, grand slams and singles, of course, with Lee Na and the amount of, um, you know, just just incredible results over the last 10 10 to 15 years of all the women. So to finally have a male breakthrough, this is like huge for China. Here, I mean, huge for Chinese tennis. Sadly for them, they don't have any tournaments there anymore because of COVID um, and, you know, <laughs> the uh, uh, Lee, the uh, Peng Shui situation. But but um, an incredible, he hasn't been home for over a year because of all the restrictions with COVID. Um, you know, these these uh, players from, chi uh, from China have done it really, really hard during the pandemic because... They haven't, a lot of them don't go home because they have to do the two-week quarantine. They're worried about not being allowed to get back out of the country. There's so much um, that they have to deal with. So if the fact that he was able to do this um, after all the trials and tribulations that he's had over the last few years, it just, it was great. And to be down that many break uh, match points against John Isner, who missed a really easy volley on match point, on his own match point, um, and then just to keep fighting. So to beat John Isner in a final with a tie break, um, two tie breaks, mind you, was quite incredible because, you know, we saw J.J. Wolf go down in the third set tie break um, in the semifinals because he just didn't play. He didn't play great tie breaks, um, whereas uh, Wu did. And that's why he was the winner. So it's a huge moment for the ATP and a huge moment for men's tennis in China. Do you think, uh, especially if you're playing John Isner on a hard court indoors, I mean, that serve, the way he took away Isner's serve in those key moments was the the differentiator. I love playing tie breaks. I think that they're my favorite format of tennis because they're so immediate and every point counts. Do you have a specific like coaching philosophy if you have a player who's going into a tie break? Like, what are you telling that player? Like, get the first point, momentum? Like, how do you tell them oh, to manage I mean, you've that? Gotta, you've, honestly, you've got to have such a short memory in tie breaks. Like you know you you could particularly against a big server if you get down an early break you cannot let it bother you you cannot be like oh, that's it i'm gonna lose now you gotta be because everybody gets nervous i mean look at john's volley on match point like everybody gets nervous it's not easy to win a match it's not certainly not easy to win a tournament everybody gets nervous it doesn't matter how many tournaments you won or you know what you've been through in the past or how good you are in tie breaks john isn't still gets nervous um and so I think the critical thing for anyone in tie breaks is literally it's the most basic of basic comments. Every point, just concentrate on every point and let the last one go because you cannot, I mean, you can't afford to lose, think about the past when you're playing a game, but you can sort of get away with it 
if you have a brain fart for two points, but you cannot in a tie break. And you certainly can't do that against someone as great a server as John Isner. If you have any kind of mental lapse for one or two points, and that's what happened to JJ Wolf. He had one or two points that he didn't quite take advantage of. And then bang, the match was over. So I think the most important thing for anyone out there is to be, you know, you can take the route of a Novak Djokovic who just literally locks down. He doesn't make an error in tie mm-hmm. breaks and he makes yeah. you beat him. Or you take, you know, the opposite, which is be super aggressive and like really put your opponent under like that, under the pump immediately and have that. It's very important in tie breaks to have good energy and to have positive energy. And so I think that that was, um, you know, the the difference maker in this match. Yeah, for sure. And I think for me, uh, the reason I like tie so much is because you can't waste a point. The mini momentum shifts going from having a sitter volley on match point and then being down a match point is a two point swing. Like that's yeah. crazy to me. I love that so much. I like the immediacy of it. Um, let's go over to the women a little bit because we had two amazing results over the weekend. We were in Linz and Abu Dhabi. My girl Chen Wen had a baller tournament, took out Osipenko, who still has those dreads. Can we just, it's can, an we, emergency. Do, can we not talk about it? <laughs> okay yes i just want to say maybe the hague should get involved for war crimes um she took out ostapenko and she took out kosakina went down to lyudmila samsonova in three in the semis um this this was a big big result uh Ooh. for samsonova too no like what a good field what were yeah she's from that she, yeah she struggled a bit this year she's been a bit off you know on on and off um particularly after the way she played last year, um, particularly from, you know, midway through the season. She was just incredible. Very, very one of the best players um, last year, at the end of last year. But um, she played such a good match. And, you know, she's such a nice girl. Like the way she lost, she should have won that match. She had, uh, I believe, three or four match points Yeah, in the second set. Wasn't the able match to close against Benchich in the final. Yeah, against Benchich in the final. Um, you know, comes out looking dominant, uh, fights back in the second set, was down at early break. Bencic was, you know, fought really hard um, and had, I believe, four match points and just didn't quite get it done. But, you know, even the way she handled the loss, she walked to the net and she was just like, congrats, like, well done. Like, she's just a really, really, really nice girl. Um, and so I give her a lot of credit for the way she handled that loss. And Bencic, um, to me, uh, you can see the influence that um, – that, the coach is having on her, you know, um, uh, I'm blanking on his name. Uh, Dimitri Tursanov. Dimitri Tursanov. Thank you so much, Caitlin. Thank God you're here because my memory Thank shot. God. Um, Dimitri is, you know, you can tell he's very, very, very like kind of demure guy, very quiet, very much, you know, Zen-like. And you can tell that he's having that influence over her. And and honestly, it, it, it's not, if I could pick a couple of players that just need that influence of calm the farm, shut the fuck up play tennis literally take the mindset of every point matters stop getting demonstrative and by the way i can say this because that's how i was okay and i was waiting for you to say carrying on like a pork chop are you looking for meals that are ready to eat delivered to your door and actually help you look and feel your best Sakara is the answer, and it's so much more than just a meal delivery program. Sakara is a nutrition program that's sort of like having a nutritionist and a chef in one. 
Their meals are expertly designed to support your goals from weight management to clearer skin and boosted energy. And as a bonus, they're also delicious. Sakara delivers science-backed, plant-rich nutrition programs and wellness essentials right to your door. Their ready-to-eat meals are nutritionally designed to deliver results from weight management and eased bloat to boosted energy and clearer skin. And right now, Sakara is offering our listeners 20% off their first order when they go to sakara.com slash racket or enter the code racket at checkout. That's S-A-K-A-R-A dot com slash racket to get 20% off your first order. Sakara.com slash racket. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Yeah, like don't, our merch is so clean. The carry-on like pork chops. And Benchich is one of them. And she's that type of person, you know, because her boyfriend's her fitness trainer uh-huh. and she would often have her dad there. She would feel like she could just say and do whatever she wanted to them. And they would still be there. Right. Yeah. But when, I can, you're, when you're married or dating or blood relatives of your team, you get a lot away with a lot. Get away with a lot. And uh, with Dimitri, you're not going to get away with, I mean, person I was going to be like, mm, bye, no way. I'm not putting up with this shit. So I think it's been a really good influence on her and you, and you can tell, I mean, you know, that was one of the things, and I'm not trying to bring myself into this, but like, you know, Serena, like I was like, I just need you to not show any negative body language, you know, and which was really hard for her when things weren't going so well, because she is a very emotional person, you know, and it's amazing. It's so hard to do when you are not a naturally very quiet, serene person and you like to get demonstrative and you like to be a little bit animated and drama like it's really hard to not be that way under pressure and I don't I'm not throwing the first stone here I just think that that difference of her keeping her calm and her shit together in the final was so clear that that's what won her the match and I can tell you that match will change her career because I really believe she finally realizes even though she won the Olympics, wait, wait, I think wait. she finally that realizes match, the final in Abu Dhabi against Ludmila Samsonova more than the gold medal or more than another one of these great results. Well, because I think she, I think she learned a lot from the Olympics, but I think her attitude in this final was actually better because she should have lost. And mm. I think she would say the reason she didn't lose is because she did keep her shit together when it looked like she should never have won. And whereas I think at the Olympics, she probably felt like she should win. Um, so, so I don't know. I think this could be a career-defining moment. We'll certainly see over the next few months. 
Um, but she's definitely a, a, a chance to win, um, let's say, the U.S. Open. I think that's her best chance to win the a Grand Slam. I mean, I think a lot of us who've watched Belinda Bencic, especially given how complete her game is and how she can really go from like a Hingis-esque tools of the trade type style to really be able to hang in and bang big with some of the heavier hitters like Benchich has all the tools. And I think if anything, granted, she's quite young. The question that has been around her, especially pre gold medal, but certainly still today is like, what's it going to take for her to get to like the late stages of a slam? Like she's not made a final and she doesn't have any wins. She tends to kind of flame out in like the quarterfinals. And it, maybe that's exactly what you're talking about, which is just this like sense of calm and ability to move forward and not carry on like a pork chop. Yeah, you you will very rarely see um, someone who carries on like a pork chop win a grand slam. It's just not possible. It's not possible when you get to the end of a tournament and you're playing the best players in the world that you can get away with it because they will take advantage of it. And I mean, I think a really good example of that through the years has been Simona Halep, you know. I mean, her her loss, for example, at the French Open uh, to Ostapenko when she was up a set and to love. No. 30, 15, or oh, 15 all or whatever it was, and throws her racket. Like, what are you doing? You're giving your opponent small window to say, hey, she's still nervous. Maybe I'm I can still hang in, in this. There. Yeah. You know, and there's there's been plenty that we could we could we could dissect about their attitudes and how it's cost them matches, including my own. Um, and so it's a really hard thing to do is go against your natural instinct to not be dramatic and demonstrative and I think that for her to get go forward um that's the area that she needs to improve on and she does she has all the tools so it can serve gets a bit dodgy and it's not really a big weapon so that can still also hurt her um and there are certain matchups that she doesn't like but I'll give her credit because she had I don't think she'd ever beaten Samsonova um so that that was a terrific effort so look out for Benchich through the year yeah I thought Samsonova was the best player of the tournament just in terms of results and play like what Absolutely. I saw of her matches she looked like so yeah I think that's a really interesting point about like matches you should lose but don't because you find a way like that is I think really I don't know. That's really cool. Um, while we're on the women, the other tournament final was Linz. We had Petra Mardic against Potopova. What do you make of this? I love watching Petra Mardic play. I think she's just got such a like natural athleticism. She's loopy. She's got those big strokes. Um, I'm sort of shocked to see her at late stage and finals because the kind of tennis that I tend to like doesn't tend to win that much. Um <laughs> but I didn't give her much of a chance uh, in the final. And in fact, she didn't do much well, against Potipova. Well, I, mean, uh, I think Potipova just like, you know, just hit her off the court really. Um, and I think that, um, you know, her win over Sakari, I mean, Sakari is a perfect example of someone who I think, you know, at times carries on like a pork chop. And I love Maria. She's such a nice, she is such a nice girl and she's such a great player. But there are things about Maria Sakari's game that I would just take apart, including yes. her slice backhand. The way she hits her slice backhand, her footwork is absolutely terrible. She does not hit her slice backhand with the right technique. and Which is actually is good news because that means it's fixable, you know? It's fixable, like if, but come if it's on, a you've got to be able error, to fix it. Yes. Do you think she has good coaching? Well, I don't want to. I, I'm not. I'm ne I would never like poop on a uh, another coach. But that is an area that, I mean, some I would, <laughs> but um, <laughs> but not you know uh, Tom and and I think Mikael Tilstrom was there with her. But um, or I'm not sure who was that. One of the Swedish guys from Good to Great. But uh, like 
you got it. The footwork is wrong to the slice mm. back end. And it actually really hurts her because it's a shot that I think it would really make her a better player because she would get out of few problems. Her back end is, you know, she hits a really good uh, two-hander, very flat. So she hits a ton of spin on the forehand, flat backhand, and she would have, if she had have a beautiful slice, she would have three variations of ball spin, which I know you guys are like, oh, I don't really understand that. But think about Ash Barty. It was the same type of tennis. Um and her serve is unbelievable. So I think she let an opportunity go to win that tournament. Um, and I think that there are times where her attitude and her anxiety is so obvious to the opponent that you're just like, oh, I'm still in this. And that was the case against Martic. I mean, Martic lost the first set, should never have gotten into the match. And she was allowed into the match and ended up winning it. But, um, yeah, I like Petra's game. Forehand's a bit funky, but so was mine. So, hey, hey to the funky forehands. Um, <laughs> and... Uh, yeah, I mean, listen, I, I think that it's nice. We've got a young um, up-and-coming like Potapova that steps up in finals, and I love players that step up in finals and just bang it out of the take park it like and that. take it, yeah. yeah. Well, it's interesting because I, for me, I'm glad you brought up soccer because that to me was her tournament to win. Like, the, an Abu Dhabi, which is a big tournament, that should be like where she eats, you know, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, where it's like the field is good, but she's a level above, at least in terms of the way she you know, competes in her athleticism. So yeah, she should be like kind of feasting on, on a draw like that. And then kind of yeah. finds a way to lose, which is sort of becoming a little bit the Maria Sakari story, which is such a bummer because she is so nice and she does have such a fun sort of style of athletic game that you kind of, I don't know, it can be hard to watch her sometimes because she, when she does get into that stressful place, like I feel stressed watching her just knowing what, even when she's winning and she'll go to the box and kind of like wring her hands and, you know, pork chop time. And so you're kind of like, oh man, you're demonstrating to your opponent that you are nervous and they have a shot still, which is such a, I don't know, it feels like an easy, an easy thing to do. And I'll tell you, I want to say one of the best behaved she's been um, in a long time. And by behaved, I mean, just staying very calm and not looking too anxious was when she played Donna Vekic, who's one of her best friends. So she didn't show all the emotion that she would normally show because she didn't want to be disrespectful to her opponent, I think, in some ways. But in in a lot of ways, and she should have lost the second set, really. Um, Donna had three set points in that second set, but because Maria was calm and sort of just was playing, she ended up coming out of that second set and winning the second set and winning the match in straight sets. So, and she and Maria served for the match and didn't let it bother her that much, you know what I mean? So those are little things. For me as a coach, I would be like, let's look at this <laughs> and then yeah. let's look at this and let's see where the difference is. And you won this match because you didn't carry on like a pork chop. Like a pork chop. Um, I want to ask you very quickly, uh, going back to the men, did you have a chance to watch this young French guy, Arthur Fields? He's 18. He beat Gasquet. He beat Bautista Agut, lost to yes. Sinner, but kind of gave him a match. At least I did. I watched him. I was excited um, about him, actually. Yeah. Very excited, very young, very talented. He's only going to get better and better. He had an opportunity in the first set to beat Sinner. <clears throat> um, yeah, and, and French men's tennis needs a bit of a kick up the butt, right? Kick, kick up, the, up the, how do you say, butt up the derriere, of course. Um, so so it's nice to see him. He hopefully will bring more along with him. Uh, but super talent, unbelievably quick around the court. Really nice game. Um yeah, it's certainly a future star. I can't wait to see him play at the French because the crowd is just going to be going bonkers for this guy. Yeah. Um, it's just a terrific, terrific story for young French uh, male male tennis players anyway. Um, but Sinner, let's get to Yannick, my no, guy. Didn't lose a you set. You know how much I love him. Montpellier. How much do we love 
Maxime Gracie, who's actually French, even yeah. though he's American. Um, you know, this guy. Servant Bali all day Bali. long. I love it. It's so fun. Yeah. And people freak out about it. They really aren't used to seeing it. He wins so many free points because they panic. They see him. How tall is he? He's got to be 6'6", six, six, right? He's, he's enormous. Tall. No, no, no. He's not. He's, yeah, maybe like six. Four, maybe I don't know I just he's big I know at how, the net uh, he gets up there and you're like oh I have nowhere to go and I've seen people oh, panic I was watching him play Rublev at DC this summer and he's just at the net in a flash I just watched Rublev who's got arguably like the sweetest ground strokes just not know where to go which is amazing to see them panic I love it because you know people are like you can't play serve and volley tennis anymore I'm like yes you can if you have a great serve and you have great volleys you can absolutely play serve and volley tennis and the thing about um, Cressy is that he's improved his ground strokes a lot. Like his mm. backhand, sometimes he can pop the shit out of that thing. Um, and his his forehand has improved. Um, he was in rallies, yes. Even in the rallies on the baseline, he was in rallies with Yannick Sinner. And I was impressed with the way he was hitting the ball from the back of the court. And he's just going to get more and more confident through the years of how to strategically play people with the serve and volley, when to come in, when to stay back. So for me, it's really, really nice to see this. And listen, indoors, serve and volley, it's still going to work. I would love to see them speed up the Wimbledon grass courts again to be fa- as fast as the other grass court you events and me are. Both. I would love for there to be carpet events like there used to be when Stephen Graf would just take everyone to the abattoir. No, I miss it. I mean it. Like I like tennis when it was variable, when Thomas Muster could not win a match on cl- grass and, you know, your Pete Sampras couldn't win very very many matches on clay like to me that's cool i like when there's variation and you get all these different styles you know i have said it for years caitlin i go i don't understand why the tennis establishments want to make slower and slower courts all you're doing is taking the variety of way players play away and you also take away the volley game because of the fact that the court's too slow well then don't have always slow courts then quicken them up and then you have quicker matches. Instead of playing five friggin' hours out there, you're actually playing a five-set match under three hours or three and a half hours maximum. Yep. And you're getting different varieties. And there's nothing better than watching a guy or a girl trying to figure out where to stand on the return when someone's serving and volleying. Do I dip the ball low? Do I go for the return winner? Do I throw up a lob? To You have to have creativity when you are playing people with different ways of playing tennis. So for me... If I was, and I had this conversation with um, Philip Brook a number of years ago, who was the All England chairman at the time. I go, why are Wimbledon slowing it down? Like make it quicker and make the points faster. And it's that's what grass court tennis is. It's not 25 ball rallies, sorry. And no. as interesting as they are from time to time, it's that's not what grass court tennis is. And it takes away someone improving their forward movement on the court. And so for me, if, if I were to change something with tennis, I would absolutely make the courts faster at certain events. Completely right. One of the things that's so amazing and interesting about the grass court season, because it's not very long, it's the shortest of all seasons, despite the fact that at one time, two out of the three slams, and I'm saying two out of the three because this was before Australian Open was promoted to being a slam, there were... Uh, grass was super, super prevalent. They played U.S. Open grass. The first Australian Open at Kuyong was grass and Wimbledon was grass. So really clay was the only differentiator. And to me, yeah. I like hardcore tennis the least because I te- it tends to be the most monotonous. And yeah, but that's great. I like I the fact that there's, that. I don't, I only mind it if it's the only way. 
if it's the variety that we're talking about, then it's great. And then it becomes a different way to solve problems. Like the two players we've talked about that I've been the most excited watching this season, probably Yibing Wu, who solved for a fast hard court indoors, returning a serve of John Isner. And you could see him in those three tie breaks, especially the last one, kind of put the pieces together to your point about where to stand, to go for when to go for the winner, when to hit a rally ball back, like how to manage the risk, basically. And Victoria Azareka, who has been this season thinking her way through matches as opposed to just being a great player and sort of hoping the breaks go their way. But no, being tactical. Like to me, that's the cool thing when you can see players figuring it out. And I like so much the idea that there's this variety that makes them figure it out. It's also like when the rest of the grass court season, because it's so small, is faster than Wimbledon, there's a problem. Like all those other tournaments are faster than Wimbledon, right? Like Eastbourne, Halle, all of those pre-Wimbledon tournaments, that grass is not slowed down. So what kind of warm-up tournament is it? Yeah. No, 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 for sure. I mean, a really obvious thing for that, and it's it's even maybe a little less now because they've slowed down Eastbourne slightly, is that I used to hit only like slider body second serves because it was just dumb to hit a kick serve on grass because it just it didn't jump and it was just mostly to most of the women anyway have way better back ends of forehands so you're like well that's the dumbest serve you can hit on grass because it's not going to help me at all uh which is why sam stoser for example struggled on grass you know because she was she couldn't really hit her kicker and 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 then i would play that serve at eastbourne and then at wimbledon in my latter years of my career i was like i'd go to a kick-ass a second serve at wimbledon because i'm like it's a totally different grass court so that's a perfect example of how wimbledon is a little bit different and a little bit slower than all of the other events anyway that is a debate that i would like to see happen more and more with the players and it would make for better tennis that's the thing it would make for better tennis and also i think a lot about the kind of tennis that recreational people play recreational people are playing doubles a ton which means they're volleying a ton and the fact that we don't show by virtue of popularity doubles very much. And the fact that singles players don't often volley right now. Like I played this member guest at the Longwood Cricket Club with our friend Tori last summer. She was a member at that Boston club. The main reason I did it was because I wanted to play on grass at a private club. We played against a bunch of collegiate players. And I was like, oh God, my body's not up for this. Like I'm not 20 anymore. None of them could volley. It's fascinating. None of them could volley. So I was like, Most oh. of the two can't volley either, Caitlin. It's crazy. I was like, oh, yeah. I'm I'm winning these matches just by virtue of the fact that I'm standing in the right place. Like, they don't even know how to stand correctly. It was crazy. I miss it so much. I miss that T-shaped, worn-down patch on those grass courts when you used to look at the end of Wimbledon. It'd be Boris Becker and Edberg and all the court that's been tried. Why don't more infant formula companies use organic, grass-fed whole milk instead of skim? Why don't more infant formula companies use the latest breast milk science? Why don't more infant formula companies run their own clinical trials? Why don't more infant formula companies use more of the proteins found in breast milk? Why don't more infant formula companies have their own factories instead of outsourcing their manufacturing? We wondered the same thing. So we made Byheart a better formula for formula. Learn more at byheart.com. upon is the T up the middle and the two bars across the, the service boxes. Like I miss that a lot. I'm sure you well, do too. Anyway, that was your specialty. Yes. That was my specialty. Anyway, we don't have to worry about that because the clay court season is about to come up. But um, anyway, it was a great weekend. It was a great uh, uh, NFL. I want to also give a quick shout out, um, and I will talk about this on my show today. Um, I love Dawn Saley, who coaches the women's uh, 
South Carolina Gamecocks, and she was wearing a Randall Cunningham jersey, <laughs> coaching her own team. Cool. So I thought that was freaking cool because that is not South Carolina; that is Philadelphia. So I love when an uh, when a when a when a coach like that, who's so dominant, and they have not lost a game um, all year, can just step out there and be like, you know what, school, I'm still going to wear my Randall Cunningham jersey. So shout out to Dawn Staley, who's the boss lady. Um, anyway, it's been a great a little uh, weekend. COVID. Sorry, positive Caitlin Thompson still in her house. For the next day and a half. But you know what? I, I got to make time to record a podcast with you, Renee. So uh, we'll have to check back in next week when I am fully ambulatory and in Florida, getting some yeah. very, very overdue sunshine in my face. Guys, thanks for joining us this week. And uh, stay tuned for more shenanigans next week. With- <laughs>